Welcome to Hike, Bike, Run, the official podcast of the Western Front Way. I'm your host, Rory Forsyth, and very excited about today's guest, who I actually met at Twickenham Rugby Stadium for the last for the first time recently. Please welcome Billy Perham. Good morning, Rory. A pleasure to speak to you today. Yeah, it is. It's lovely to have you on the pod. Thank you so much for giving up your a weekend morning. Um, you know, very, very precious. So I always like to start, um, for all our listeners out there, tell us a bit about yourself, Billy. Yeah, no problem at all. So I'm a former Royal Marine officer who retired from the military in April this year after 32 years service. Currently living down in Taunton, Somerset with my wife, Mia, and 18-year-old daughter, B. Uh, maybe if I give you listeners a little bit about my military career, Definitely. which has had an operational and training focus. So following recruit training in 1991, I served in 4-5 Commando, based up in Arbroath, Scotland. And then over the subsequent 17 years, I deployed initially operationally to Kuwait, Northern Ireland twice, Afghanistan twice, um, and Iraq. Then beyond operations, I conducted environmental training, Norway, Belize, Brunei, Jordan, uh, over in the States. And then in 1997, I served with 4 commando based down in Taunton uh, and deployed globally with them, uh, part of the UK amphibious capability to Europe, Africa, Asia, which also included the retrocession of Hong Kong. Um, I've instructed recruits at Commando Training Centre, officers and non-commissioned officers, whilst on loan service with the British Military Advisory Training Team in the Czech Republic for a couple of years. And I was fortunate enough to be selected for commissioning in 2009. I was initially appointed as Officer Commanding Equipment Support Troop at the Commander Helicopter Force in the Overton, and then I conducted another operational deployment. I returned to Iraq in 2010 and then in 2018. I returned to Afghanistan again in 2011 uh, and also out to Africa, Sierra Leone and South Sudan, which I'll touch on later. I returned to Commando Training Centre where I instructed recruits again and then I was appointed as the Quartermaster at 30 Commando down in Plymouth. Um, I also uh, attended the initial Command and Staff course up at the Defence Academy in 2018 and it, it, I'd highlight it was like going back to school for nearly a year. Again. Um, I was the Operations and Plans Officer up in the Ministry of Defence in London um, during the covid period and then my last job I was out in Cameroon where I was the UK senior military advisor until last year Um, so that's a quick overview of my career um, of 32 years but maybe if I could just highlight one part of it um, and that would be the deployment to Sierra Leone in 2015 during the Ebola crisis so there I was the chief of staff of the Western Area Response Centre coordinating the response across the capital of Freetown I directly managed a dedicated team of over 140 local staff, and they were superb staff. Um, the role was extremely demanding, and the challenges were compounded by unreliable infrastructure and paucity of resource. But despite the illness, quarantine, deaths, the team remained utterly focused on achieving Ebola zero, no cases, which we achieved in late 2015. Now, despite receiving accommodation for my efforts mm. it was getting to no cases that remains one of my proudest achievements so maybe if i could just answer your first question yeah. succinctly 
on what I like doing and what interests me is this last example about helping others. And this is one of the key reasons I volunteered to cycle the Western Front Way for the Lewis Moody Foundation. Wow. So hopefully that answers yeah. your, your question. I mean, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. I mean, you've, you've kind of gone through, you know, I mean, what am I, 38 now? You've gone through kind of probably pretty much every hot zone, I think, that's come up on the globe in the past kind of 30 years. Um, tell me, how was, uh, how, how was our growth for training? Nice and, nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as, as you know, uh, sat on the East coast, um, just up the road from Barry Budden training area. Uh, for those listeners that know it, we used to regularly run down to Barry Budden, take a dip in the sea and then run back, uh, to our bro. So I have many fond memories of the, uh, cold, wet and wind. Uh, and I returned to our growth on three separate occasions. I served in various ranks up there. Um, but the journey between our growth and Taunton uh, did become somewhat grating yeah. after a while. Yeah, I can imagine that. I mean, that's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's so fantastic to have someone on the podcast who is, I mean, experienced in, in a world that very few, particularly at the, at the sharpest end of it, it get to experience and, and understand so I can talk to you. I mean, naturally, you'll have a connection to, to remembrance. Do you have a connection to the Western Front, per se? So I do. Um, and again, that was one of the bits that interested me and in volunteering to go and uh, conduct or cycle the, the Western Front way. So my great uncle is private, was private Edward Charles Perham. Um, my father's conducted research, and I can tell you a little about you know what we know of him. Yeah. So Edward Perham was you know served in the first twenty second London Regiment, uh, known as the Queens, and was at the Battle of Highwood when the British attacked on the fifteenth of September, nineteen sixteen. And for those listeners that know, this was a particularly hard and subsequently long battle that cost the lives of over four thousand five hundred soldiers from the Army's 47th Division alone. And the Queens were in the front line of the battle on the 15th of September, but later withdrawn to the reserve line on the 16th when they were utilised to carry ammunition up to the front line. And it was that day that Edward died. And what we understand, there would have been a heavy bombardment in the area that he was at and that he would have been killed while undertaking that role. Um, of interest, the battalion returned to fight on the front line on the 18th. And after the battle, and even by the end of the war, it was considered too dangerous to clear high wood of casualties and munitions. Hence, the wood is now fenced off and over 8,000 all the combatants remain there to this day. And then the names of the soldiers, including my great uncle at the, and the rest of the high wood are therefore recorded on the Theoval uh, Memorial, which we will have the opportunity to visit during the cycle ride, which I'm very much looking forward to. And I'll, I'll be laying a wreath there to uh, commemorate him. Oh, that's that's fantastic to hear. And I, I, I mean, Teepval's just had a massive restoration project that's just finished, so it's kind of the perfect timing. But um, yeah, when we, because we're going to be there together, um, and there are obviously a lot of names on the Teepval Memorial, but it's amazing how it's done in the sense there's like a plan to how you can find the name um yeah. i was always told you know teepval is effectively a cemetery but just you know standing vertically not horizontally um but yeah we will we will track him down and i i think the whole team will you know take a few moments with you when you lay that wreath 
which will be amazing. And um, I mean, given given how your intro, I know I with remembrance, and I, I always say on this podcast, I think it's, I think the two minute silence is very sacred. Um, I think that the fact, I mean, I'm a Londoner, but even the fact that London stops is saying something. Is there anything you think about in the two minute silence that? given your given your experience and your career does anything stand out for you great question i i would start by saying that i've probably witnessed the best and worst of humanity over my military career and and i don't say that lightly either um seen acts of bravery loyalty kindness in afghanistan that most people have only read about i've also witnessed acts of brutality and savagery in south sudan that I'd not want anyone to see. You know, I've seen people severely injured and killed. Yeah. I have friends who return from operations who are trying to live with that and what they've witnessed. But one of the saddest parts for me is those who have been unable to live with what they've witnessed and subsequently taken their own lives. Mm. I would suggest attending a funeral of a friend or colleague who died on operations or through illness is one thing. But to attend a funeral because a friend can't face living anymore is something very different and difficult to understand and deal with. So again, to answer your question succinctly, what do I think about on the 11th of November or any other time when there's a two minute silence? It's not one person in particular, yeah. but it's those I've known personally that didn't get on the return flights from deployments to Afghanistan and particularly those who felt they couldn't continue to live anymore yeah. after they returned and then subsequently taking their own lives. Okay, I mean, I think that's that's bravely and brilliantly put uh, for everyone that's listening, and I think that will stay with them. I think the the Western Front way. Um, I mean, I obviously we sent some questions before. There's a there's a piece on modern remembrance, but I I just want to just on that thread. I think the Western Front way is a place for people that maybe are finding it very hard to come to terms with things. Um, Military or non-military, I actually spoke to someone yesterday who started walking because her husband had died. I think the Western Front Way is a place, is somewhere where one might be able to find great solace. Um, I don't know if you think, I mean, would you think, I mean, a long distance walk or a cycle ride, would that, is that something you think that would help people uh, if they're going through things? Yeah, definitely. I think um, having time to reflect um it is is great, um, and I think, uh, and I'll talk about in a moment about yeah. training. And I have been out uh, for a, a few long bike rides, and, and the quietness on the country lanes is great to allow your mind to think about the past. Um, and, and I was only speaking to my wife, who works in a local primary school, um, about this, and you know, and why is modern remembrance important for for children? Yeah. You know? discussing this last night and, and i think it's a great way you know of honoring and remembering the sacrifices you know made by people during times in war of conflict in particular modern conflict as well and um, noting that we've had a, a number iraq afghanistan two well known uh, modern conflicts been going on for, for years um, and and people in society today are suffering you know there is uh, genuine mental health problems in our service personnel from both of those uh, conflicts but i believe it's really important for children to stop think and reflect on the past understand the significance of these events both in history 
like past history, but also what I would class as modern history. Yep. Um, I think Remembrance Day is a really special day in Britain, as you highlighted earlier. London comes to a standstill. Um, I think taking part in Remembrance gives people the opportunity to recognise those personal sacrifices. Um, reflecting on the past also can help children understand the importance of peace, yes. tolerance and respect for others. But it can also help develop empathy and compassion for those who have suffered during times of war. And my, my final bit I'd offer, yeah. there's part in Remembrance activities, children can learn about history, culture and society as a whole yeah i think i think that's actually a big part of it i mean anthony selden who, who found the letter from the original soldier about a path for peace i mean the clues in the words there but a path for peace but he even said in 1915 he wanted every man woman and child to walk this to i think if you go to a place where something so so seismic happened uh, it does make kids stop and think god you know conflict resolution is probably a better thing than war. Um, it's very hard to, you know, we're not force feeding them that narrative. But if you are standing at Teepval for a child, it is, it is very impactful, I have to say. Yeah. Um, good. Well, what we know, certainly, having met at Twickenham, as I said, all of these feelings we're talking about and laying wreaths, you are soon to be going along the Western Front Way. Tell us on how you're doing it and why you're doing it. <laughs> So two weeks today, our team will start day one of the Western Front Way Challenge with the Lou Smoothie Foundation um, to help change the lives of nearly 88,000 people living with a brain tumour in the UK. So our team cycle a 1,000 kilometres in seven days over the length of the First World War trench lines, yep. starting in Fed House on the border of Switzerland, cycle up through France to Newport on the coast. So to be brutally honest, to you and your listeners, I genuinely have mixed emotions. Yeah. So excitement, apprehension, a bit of concern, maybe even a little bit of fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Now, what I also highlight, I've felt all these emotions before from the start of recruit training back in 1991, throughout my military career, particularly during operations. And I will always call on my commando spirit part of the overall commando ethos, gained as a Royal Marine recruit, but I've continued to use that throughout my life. This spirit I've called upon, um, for your listeners that have never heard of the commando spirit, there's four elements to it. And the first part is about courage and, you know, there's physical and moral courage. And it's more about moral courage than uh, physical. It's about getting out front and doing what's right every day. Uh, the second part is about determination and never giving up. You know, the third part is unselfishness, team first, teammate second, and self last. And then the final part, cheerfulness in the face of adversity, making humour the heart of morale and always having a smile on your face. Doesn't matter how hard things are. So as a novice, inexperienced cyclist, I know I'll have to display a bucket load of commando spirit throughout the ride. Yeah, I know you, I think as well, I mean, one of the first points you made, which, which is, you know, I'm clearly talking to someone that we're going to get along very, very well, but you said the thing about helping others. Um, I can't help feeling that, that that echoes a bit in those four values on a couple of fronts, doesn't it? 
100%. And um, I think in particular about being unselfish is that generally I've always enjoyed working in a team, whether that team is of two or 200. It really doesn't matter. You know, I've really always been interested in team dynamics yeah. and genuinely looking forward to, you know, working with a cohesive team during this challenge. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what I'm, what I'm really, I mean, when I say excited, what I'm kind of quietly looking forward to for you in particular is those outstanding values that you've spoken about, which are, which are kind of mantras, they're the way you hold yourself, the way you endure. I, I, I appreciate that there are sad moments on the Western Front way, but a lot of them are not. You will see you will put yourself in a place where a word like camaraderie, when you're standing at, say, the top of the Teepval Ridge and you're looking over no man's land, you know that the only way that they managed to make any ground at all was because of that word. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's there's some, you can see that in the stories over there. Um, you know, when you start, you see those, you see those values were, was as applicable in, say, 1915 um, as they were through for you in 1991, which is quite incredible. Yeah, which which really enthuses me, and you know, another reason for for doing this. You know, and noting that um, I only met the team the other week, uh, I'm genuinely enthused by you know forming a really cohesive team, and you know, developing hopefully long term friendships from this challenge as well. I agree. I think we definitely will. I mean, there's something about being on the Western Front way and doing a, a kind of quasi endurance event that forms bonds very quickly which is good. So you're, we're two weeks out. I mean, I'm excited. I've, I've just started writing all of my lunchtime talks for you guys. Um, how's the training going? Are you, are you okay? And you, how, are you, how are you preparing for it, both physically and mentally, if I can ask? Um, so probably a little bit late for training tips. And in hindsight, <laughs> I've probably done a, a little more training. Um, Mentally, I know day two has been described as a little lumpy. Um, <laughs> from what I understand, having uh, Googled what little lumpy means, that means hills. Um, so I know I'll be calling on that commando spirit throughout the day in particular, but also throughout the week. But for me, the key throughout is to stay determined, be unselfish and keep smiling, however much it hurts. But what, you know, if I think, what am I really looking forward to? Yeah. I'm looking forward daily challenge the daily challenge of having a routine getting up at a time getting prepared getting on the bike yeah. you know sweating uh, eating drinking sweating eating drinking <laughs> uh, the end with a smile on my face and um, that'd probably be the first bit i think the second bit what i'm really looking forward to and i did mention it earlier is forming a really yeah. cohesive team with the same goal to get to the end of the ride and then raise as much money as possible for the brain tumor charity. Yeah. And then the you know, final bit, what I'm really looking forward to is the celebrations at the end and watching England beat Samoa by a minimum of 30 points in Lille the day after we complete the ride and watching them progress in the World Cup. Nice. So that would be that. <laughs> so is, that then, is that a point for every pound in weight you lose on the Western Front way? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I suppose, what am I looking to get out of it? Um, and, and I've given this some consideration, actually, when I've been out on the bike um, on a couple of training rides. It's all about a sense of satisfaction and doing some good and putting a little bit back into society. You know, helping the Lewis Moody Foundation, 
who again for you your listeners aren't aware you know works in partnership with the brain tumor charity mm. to fund family days and again for your listeners these family days are run throughout the year and take place all over the country giving families the chance to escape from the daily routine of hospital visits and medical care you know the brain tumor charity is at the forefront of the fight to defeat brain tumors and every day it makes a difference to the lives of people living with a brain tumor as well as their families you know so that that's you know what i'm looking to get out of it you know really to help others yeah that is that that clearly underlies a lot of a lot of what you do and i we should tell people i mean i just want to be clear when you say a little lumpy on day two i just don't want anyone thinking that this is some jaunt through france um when when we describe a little lumpy what we mean is when you come out of cernay you have a two kilometer flat ride and then you have a 10 kilometer incline. <laughs> so just so people get some kind of, you know, understanding of, of what you're going to go through. And this isn't kind of, you know, going around Richmond Pike on a six grand carbon fiber bike. <laughs> no, I've just broken into sweat when you, <laughs> you put it into those, yeah. those two, it'll be fine. Yeah. We will take it whatever place we need to go at. Yeah, one pedal at a time. And if people, I mean, you're raising money, obviously. Um, if people want to find you or, I mean, do they go to the Lewis Moody Foundation, I guess, is probably the best Yeah, just, just given uh, sites, which um, I'm sure with this podcast, you can put the, the link into that yeah, as we well. Uh, so, yeah, um, I think it's really, you know, important that, people are aware of, of why we're doing this you know yeah i agree i mean having met oliver at um at twickenham i think that that was all the more real why we're doing it okay so last i've taken up enough of your time on a saturday morning anything any last reflections i just like to give people because these podcasts go quite quickly is there anything you want to add um any i mean any motivations or, or what about someone that's never done a challenge um is there anything you'd say to them to get them to the start line basically go probably (laughs) (laughs) take that first step forward i think you know my last sort of thoughts or reflections firstly say thank you to you for um allowing me to talk about the challenge today and thank the listeners you know who've donated already but also highlight that there is still the opportunity to donate um and encourage others to to help others i think that would be my key message today life can go past very quickly really quickly and i think this is all about trying to help other people if that message comes across today then it's been a success you know the the brain tumor charity is committed to saving and improving lives moving further and faster to help every single person affected by a brain tumor you know your listeners donations really can make a difference yeah oh that's the perfect way to end and i i I think you know if you ask if that's come across in this podcast it definitely has um so thank you so much and i'll let you get on with your weekend but it's it's a delight to say i will see you on the start line in two weeks (laughs) thanks very much thanks billy see ya Yes, bye. Bye-bye. Bye.